Welcome to Let's Talk Sales. This is the podcast for anyone who's interested in growing sales. Today's episode of Let's Talk Sales is brought to you by our latest ebook, Leadership for Organizational Growth. In it, you'll discover the nature, best practices, and common myths surrounding leadership and how to develop your leadership skills to drive revenue growth. Be sure to download a copy today. You can find it in the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 312. I'm the show's producer, Rylan Sylvester, and we hope you enjoy this episode with Elizabeth Frederick and Simon Severino. This is Elizabeth Frederick, and I think our listeners will really enjoy getting to know and learn from today's guest. He is a business growth coach at Strategy Sprints, working to double their clients' revenue in 90 days. He's also a business growth advisor at Consilience Ventures, and he contributes to the Forbes Business Council with a specialty in, you guessed it, business growth. (laughs) He also hosts a podcast of his own called Strategy Sprints, where he speaks to CEOs and other business leaders about actionable growth strategies. And I believe he is the first guest that we've had who's joining us from Austria. So welcome to the show, Simon Savarino. Hello, Elizabeth. Hello, Sales Nation. I am so glad that you could join us. And I just listed the top level bullets of your resume, your LinkedIn profile, but that's not who you are. So I'd love it if you could introduce yourself to our listeners and maybe talk a little bit about how you develop the passion that you have for business growth um, or the journey that you've been on to get where you are today. Sure. So it's 18 years that I'm doing only one thing. And this is coaching business owners on on how to grow. And when we say grow, we mean enter new markets and gain market shares or dominate in current markets Mm -hmm. uh, against their competition. And we have only one product, which is 90 days of coaching. And in 90 days, we double your revenue or money back. Mm-hmm. This is the only thing that I do since 18 years, but it has never been boring even one day. Because, of course, with this ambition and with this promise, people keep me on my toes and I'm <laughs> learning every week and uh, we're partnering with pretty cool people. And yeah, this is what we do. As I started this alone, just out of the passion of, of, of coaching. Mm-hmm. And, and bit by bit, we grew into a team, and now it's it's a global thing. Uh, but every year was different, and I'm happy to share the journey. It was a fun journey, but I'm basically doing only this. That's wonderful that you've been able to develop that expertise. And like you, I find, um, you know, we, we have a broader scope of offerings, but still, anytime you're doing consulting, Every new client is a new situation. You get to experience things differently. You learn new things. And that really does provide a lot of stimulation, a lot of engagement. And I think that keeps things interesting as opposed to just doing the same thing over and over. So even if you have the same program, um, every new client is new people and new ideas. New people, new ideas, new situations, new products. And uh, some of them are such cool people that we become friends and we hang out even after the sprint and they do, they do a second sprint or they come into our mastermind, which is a very select um, small masterminds. We have 61 members right now and they are just the select people that 
we want to continue hanging out with and doing joint mm -hmm. ventures and cross promotions and referrals. And so the journey keeps keeps going on and, and it, it connects me in these times. The last two years have been years of, of lockdown mm -hmm. and I have felt lonely and I have mm -hmm. felt isolated, but not very long because every 14 days I meet the masterminds uh, people, the 61 people. Mm -hmm. And then I meet every Monday all coaches. We have coaches in, in 14 countries right now. And so every Monday we come together, we discuss every client, the three numbers of the client that they measure every week. And so that that is also my community. That is where mm -hmm. I find meaning and where I can contribute something that is bigger than, than I am and I can be of service. And that, that gives a lot back. It creates meaning. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that life is meaningful per se. I wake up in the morning and I go, this doesn't make sense. So let's make some sense here. <laughs> What, what's the reason for this? I don't know. So let's, let's find out. And then something pops up and I find meaning. And I'm proud like a little boy. I say, hey, look, look, look what I found. <laughs> and I want to share it with everybody. That's when I create content in the afternoon. And I do a video or, or a blog or a post and I say, hey, I found something. And this gives me a lot of a lot of joy. Absolutely. I love that. That joy comes out in your voice and um, in what I've listened to in your podcast. And so I'm excited in our conversation today to explore some of these key principles that you've developed over time where you're able to make this commitment. And I assume since you've grown your business and it's global now that you're not having to pay a lot of people back. So you're helping all of these companies double their revenue. Um, I'd like to start because in our prior conversations, You mentioned that you find a lot of CEOs are kind of flying blind. And one of the reasons that they're not growing revenue to the pace that you can help them with is, um, is that situation. So can you talk a little bit about that? Tell me maybe what flying blind means to you and how you see that impacts these leaders. Absolutely. And so running a business is tough. Mm -hmm. I became very humble when I moved from being a, an advisor, these guys who know it all and have it all, mm -hmm. to be a real builder. Mm -hmm. That made me so humble because I said, oh my God, it's really hard on the other side. Uh, it's really hard hiring, firing, systemizing. I don't have time for systemizing, but I have to systemize. I don't have time for hiring interviews, but I have to do it. It's really tough. And the last year has been even tougher because you don't know what, what, what's, what's coming next. So the volatility in it, on top of it, it's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. Now, what can we do? We can do only three things. Uh, and and that, what, that is what I have distilled as the three CEO habits. The daily habit, weekly habit, monthly habit. Daily habit is when we write down what did I do today, what gave me energy, what took energy from me, what should I delegate tomorrow? And then my favorite question, if tomorrow I would live more freely and more intentionally, what would I do? Mm. So the intention question. I like to reflect every evening, what, it, what did I do? The delegation question, what can I delegate tomorrow? Because delegation is the master 
class of running a business if mm -hmm. that's how you and the intention question if i would live more freely and more intentionally what would i do tomorrow because this helps you to think bigger mm. and to connect to your dream Absolutely. which i think is important because we, we lose contact to our dream in between you know, we solve this we solve that yep sorry i keep i keep stepping yeah. on you here but yeah. um, that's that's incredibly powerful i've done a lot of work on gratitude and research into that. Mm -hmm. And this seems to tie a lot into what they've discovered are powerful practices of gratitude, because the first practice of gratitude is reflection. And it's like you said, you know, um, recognizing what you did, ideally, you're going to recognize both things that you did well, and things maybe that you didn't do, but but you're you're appreciating the things you did, thinking about what things gave energy as well as what took energy so you can be grateful for the things that gave you energy. Thinking about what you can delegate to other people makes you really appreciate the other people that you can delegate to. And then having that positive focus on, okay, tomorrow I'm going to be intentional. You know, we're not going to boil the ocean, but you're going to take maybe a couple of the things that took energy and avoid them or you're going to delegate one thing and just making that incremental daily progress is so powerful and something that i could see a lot of leaders really feeling is achievable as opposed to some strategies that you hear that just seem completely overwhelming exactly so today when i uh, end my day the last five minutes are i go over today's day i reflect these two questions I write down the flow of tomorrow's day, I close my computer, I, I shut everything down, and that was my day. So tomorrow when I come in, I, I open everything and I find the top three things and the rest of the flow of the day is already prepared and I'm ready to rumble. That's the daily habit. Mm -hmm. The weekly habit, and this is where people fly blind, the, the weekly habit is get every seven days your key numbers reported. And mm. when I numbers, marketing numbers, operations numbers, sales numbers. If we simplify com totally what a business is, a business is awareness, engagement, closing, delivering. Mm -hmm. So it's marketing, it's sales, and it's operations. And operations is also uh, the part where you do cross-sell, retainment, upselling. Because mm -hmm. if you do a good job, the rest, the retainment will happen. And so if we just simplify it to these three elements of every business, then I want to get the main numbers of each element every seven days. Mm -hmm. For example, in marketing, I want to know how many people were today on our website, how many of them clicked more than usual or watched longer than, than usual, and uh, how many of them did the prospecting team call Mm -hmm. And then in the sales department, I want to know how many discovery calls did we have, how many no-shows, how many follow-ups, how many closed deals. In the operations department, I want to know how many clients were unhappy, how quickly did we make them happy, mm -hmm. how quickly did we catch that complaint and turned it into a, a wow moment. And how many want to refer to us? What else do they need? 
what do they say we need to improve right now? These are things that I want to know every seven days. Mm -hmm. And it, it sounds so basic, but um, I've been doing, you know, consulting with, with CEOs and executives at this point for a little over 13 years. And I can't tell you how many CEOs and other leaders I've seen who, as you said, are flying blind here. They either don't have indicators, maybe they haven't identified what the best indicators are for them, or they're getting them really late and they're almost irrelevant by the time that they see them, or they're measuring so many things and it's so complicated that they don't really know where to focus. So I love this is just, it's simple, it's three areas and they all really make sense. And yet you gave examples where they're, they're gonna be slightly different measurements for each business, but you're still going down to those core principles. Exactly. And today I was talking to a client because every 90 days we do a deep summary and, and learn from, from every sprint. And so my question was, okay, how was your sprint? And they, they built homes. They are in, in North Carolina and they built homes. So I said, okay, how was your sprint? How many homes are you building now? And they said, Simon, we have quadrupled our sales. Wow. And I go, what, can you repeat it? Quadrupled the sales in 90 <laughs> days, really? How did you do that? Can I charge and you then, double? <laughs> and, then, and then they go, hey, uh, you know, your sprint coach, every seven days, he wanted a report on the keen numbers. Now, what happened with our people, it was a sprint team of four people. And so one was reporting operations, one marketing, one sales. And so what happened is that everybody came prepared to that weekly meeting. Mm -hmm. Everybody took time to actually look at the business and what's going on, not just fulfilling the business, uh, building homes, but really thinking about the business. What do they, what do the customers need? What do they get at which point? What can we improve? And this created a very simple positive loop. Uh, looking at things, noticing things, improving things. Very simple loop. And the hard thing is that people don't simplify their business enough. It's usually too complicated, too many KPIs, too many services, scope creep. It's not packaged well, it's not positioned well. But as soon as you do the fundamentals and simplify it, and that's what our sprint coaches do, they help simplify around the fundamentals, around what the clients really need right now. And then you start improving every single part and every single conversion of your value chain every week. And these numbers tell you quite early what's going on. You don't have to wait for three months to know that mm -hmm. there is a problem between the tagging on the website and your CRM. You will know it latest six days later because we are, we are looking at these things. If they are important, they will pop up. If they don't pop up, they're probably not important. Mm -hmm. If you are not measuring them, they're probably not important. If they're not important, why are we doing them? <laughs> that is a very good question to ask. Um, we talk a lot at Criteria for Success about leading indicators. And so many of the examples that you provided are leading indicators. And you have businesses that are running themselves on lagging indicators. So you're looking back at a week ago, a month ago, but if you identify these leading indicators, like, okay, um, so our traffic on the website is going up. 
that likely means we're going to get more demo requests um, or the number of outbound discovery calls is increasing. That means we're likely going to generate more proposals. And beginning to see the, the relationship between these numbers is a really um, important element of building a strategy for growth. And I could see how um, that's a really beneficial kind of narrowing down for your clients. Absolutely. And so we, we track the whole value chain and we see, okay, you need so many conversations to close so many deals. And of so many deals, this is how many buy a second time from you. Let's get that first. And then we can get a little bit more fancy and calculate the cost of acquisition of one client. And then we can get a little bit more fancy and calculate the lifetime value of a client. Now you have your key numbers dialed mm -hmm. in. Now, every seven days, let's learn from them. Why is this going slightly up? What did we do this week? Oh, we tried this other thumbnail on YouTube. All right, let's try more of that. Oh, this week something is going down. Why is this going slightly down by 3%? Mm, let's find out. Let's look there. Oh, look, uh, YouTube changed the algorithm. And this is so important to get the weak indicators. The 3% change this week is so much more valuable from an insights perspective and what you can do with it mm -hmm. than to get what most people get, which is six months later, the information from the PNL. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, but what do I do with that? It's it's all it's over. It's old information. I don't need old information. I need information right now so that I, I can try something else. And that example that you provided of the client in North Carolina, where there are basically four people and three of them are responsible for bringing in information on these three areas. I could see how that also fosters a healthy sense of both competition and collaboration, because I certainly don't want to be the one of the three who's going to come in and give a bad report, you know. Um, so I'm motivated to encourage my team and um, think of new ideas. But also because we're all in it together and because one person's success makes more work in a good way for the next person, right? If, if marketing does a better job, sales has a lot more to do. And if sales does a really good job, operations has a lot more to do. And so it's in everyone's best interest to be on the same page and to collaborate. So you're getting both of those benefits, which sometimes can seem like they oppose each other, but really the competition and collaboration, um, it, it seems like you're getting the benefits of both. It I love it that you, you, you mentioned this point because this is so important, the gamification of work. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to make work fun. Mm -hmm. And there are a couple simple elements to consider. One is why do people love to, to game, online games, mm -hmm. and to play games? Even if, if you think some online games, you have to to have to stay up all night and drink like seven Red Bulls. Uh -huh. And it's, it's so hard and people do it. And then next day they go to work and they're like, oh, I need to work. Why are they so excited the whole night? What happened there? And this is what I've been studying the last years. And by studying, I mean, just doing it right and watching my kids and watching other kids and just seeing what works. 
it's everywhere. And so one thing is they have a clear mission. They have a quest. Mm-hmm. So we need to fight the big boss. Some people mm-hmm. say that Bitcoin right now is fighting the, bit bo- the big boss. So it's, the mission is clear. And now you are at a, at a certain milestone and you want to hit that milestone. So mm-hmm. the one quest, it, it, there is a time limit, there is a goal. It's one project, but it's an exciting project. It's a, in, it, there is a start and end and a goal, but it's exciting and everybody's pushing towards that. So this we need to create in our business. The second is that it's very clear when somebody does something, you said leading and lagging indicator, that you feel the feedback right now. Mm-hmm. That's why lagging indicators don't help you really. Uh, but but the, the input indicator, yes. So output indicators, if you will win in three weeks, who cares? But input indicator, if you shoot that bird right now, it says 500. And mm-hmm. then you shoot it again <laughs> in Angry Birds, it says 600. What do you want to do next? Shoot it again. <laughs> Exactly. This is how we are wired. And so the second thing is gamification. And now how can we do that in in a normal meeting? So we have a Friday all hands meeting, one sales meeting, one marketing meeting during the week. And that's pretty enough. And and, and they are very short. It's 60 minutes uh, and some of them even 30 minutes. But the point is we come with all these numbers and then we learn from them and we visualize them with simple Excel sheets, but, you know, visualized in a nice way so that you see they're going up. And when they go up, they turn green. And mm-hmm. when they don't go up, they turn red. This is yep. so simple. And the tasks, we write them down. And if a task is not completely closed, it needs to be clicked as in progress or not delivered, which is red. And nobody wants red. Like yep. this is the social aspect that you say we all want to see green. And if everybody's green and my tasks are red, I don't feel that well. I want to change that. Mm-hmm. So these are simple things that we do. And the quest, the quest is really your vision. That's why we work in 90 days chunks. 90 days, three goals, three metrics. So we have always one quest in front of us. And every week we just solve one bottleneck. We want only one breakthrough in one bottleneck per week. And the whole team is doing that. That's really powerful as well, because, uh, again, so many problems in a business can seem overwhelming that you're not terribly sure where to start. And then what you often might find, if you're focused on too big of a problem or looking for too big of a breakthrough, that I have my idea, so I do my thing. And you have your idea, so you do your thing. And somebody else has their idea. And you end up almost conflicting with each other, or at the very least, not collaboratively working together. But if you were to say, um, we're not getting the conversion rate on the website that we need to get, um, and specifically, we're looking at this area, this page, this action we want to make get people to take, that's a small enough problem that you can collaborate on the ideas and come up with, you know, potentially multiple strategies, but you're all focused on on really one thing as opposed to all the different problems that might exist. Yeah. And you can even run multiple parallel experiments in the same week and mm-hmm. say, okay, you have an assumption. I have another assumption. Let's test both. You test yours. I test mine in six days, both bring the data, and then we see who was right. Mm-hmm. 
And it's not to be, you know, right or wrong, and it's not to win. But um, what's always interesting to me is how many times you find your idea generates, you know, 30% improvement, and my idea generates 20% improvement, and somebody else's idea doesn't really make much of an impact. Could we do both yours and mine? And then you've got even more significant um, opportunity for growth. And so um, sometimes we look at things as if there's only one potential solution, but when you have those opportunities to run, um, run, you know, experiments in parallel, you often find that there are strengths of multiple different strategies. Absolutely. And then there is the third habit. So once a month, the monthly habit is big picture. Now let's zoom out, do and do some competitive analysis. Where are we swimming? How fast are we swimming? Are we selling the right thing at the right price to the right people at the right place? And uh, is there any competitor that we need to consider? Or do we just continue like this because we are differentiated enough, we are unique enough, incomparable enough? If we are too comparable, then how can we swim free from competition? We do half an hour equalizer, which is a, a spreadsheet that helps us calculate where are we winning, where are we not winning? And so our budget of next month will be more of where we are currently winning and spending less in where we are currently not winning. So we will take expenses from the part where we are losing and we will put them and reinvest mm -hmm. them in where we are currently winning. And uh, that's what we do with the equalizer. And so when we move them from that side to the other side, we are always doubling down on our current strength. Mm -hmm. That's, you said that um, briefly, and, and it was a really good summary, but I can see how much there is there. And before jumping into specifics, uh, taking a step back, when I heard the elements that you were discussing for this you know, big picture conversation, I think of how many clients I know who do that maybe annually, or maybe quarterly, but very few that have a team who's discussing these topics really monthly and making decisions uh, at such a pace that they're able to affect the the growth of their business in smaller pivots, as opposed to, you know, the ship is way off base and now we've got to turn things around uh, and it, it takes a lot more time to get back on track. Yeah. And it's dangerous in, in these times not to quickly ask monthly if we are swimming in the right direction. Because if you don't do that, again, you're flying blind. You're just improving, improving, improving something that is maybe wrong. And that doesn't get better. You just lose time for pivot. And so how many of the companies listening right now will be around next year i don't know how many percent but it's not 100 percent. which one will we around next year the ones that make time once a month if it's just one hour but just to double check hey are we selling the right thing to the right people at the right price and are we meeting them where they really meet if you ask just these four questions half an hour and one reason why the people don't do it is they think that it's a complicated three days retreat 
with 17 people and we need to prepare it and we need 100 slides. Well, yeah, of course, then I would also avoid it. But I, I don't do it like that. I do half an hour, team of four or five. And you don't need any preparation. You just get in there and say, are we doing the right thing? Are we selling the right thing at the right price to the right people? And are we meeting them where they really gather, meaning your marketing channels? And so if you get these five things right, that meeting takes 20 minutes because you say yes, 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 yes. Some things will pop up. Okay, then you discuss them half an hour and, uh, and set some, some projects up to, to improve or to go deeper there. And then you have a, an additional project, which is a project on the business instead of in the business. And, and it's, you, you should always have time invested in working on the business of your business. Or as, as I said, working on form, fit and function of your sales system, form, fit and function of your marketing system, form, fit and function of your operations. Mm, very simple to describe, but incredibly powerful. And I love that you mentioned, you know, there are going to be some months where you'll say, yes, 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 we're done. But when you notice, um, you know what, we're, I feel like we're being outpriced by somebody and, and they're able to provide a better price. And right now it's not causing a significant impact, but I could see in future that it could be dangerous. Um, that That's one project then, like you said, and then that's going to inform the quests that you might work on over the course of that month. You know, let's investigate. Um, the different prices that competitors offer, who's cheaper, who's more expensive, and what's the quality of the work. Let's investigate um, what clients are really willing to spend. And you can have really smart conversations on a weekly basis coming out of a, a big question that you might discover in this monthly meeting. Yeah, and my way is make it small and make it often better than make it big and annually or big and half a year. I, I have retired myself from projects that do not get reviewed weekly. Mm -hmm. I said to myself, you know what, Simon, I'm now 42. Uh, I, have, I, I have proven to myself many things. I will now uh, just do a few very, very relevant things. And the rest, I will enjoy my kids, enjoy my wife, enjoy my friends. So I have retired myself from projects that are measured less frequently than weekly. Mm -hmm. And that makes now just 10 projects that I have uh, per, per right now and per any unit. So if they don't get measured weekly, I retire from them. Mm -hmm. And so I don't have so many. And the ones that I have are relevant. And because I have weekly progress, I stay on top of things. And because mm -hmm. I stay on top of things, they, they have a certain positive momentum. And because of that momentum, people want to work in these projects. And I don't feel alone in these projects. And it's mm -hmm. fun to be in there. And, and we are moving forward. And that creates a positive loop.
It's a simple rule that I have found out to be helpful for myself. Retire from every project where I don't like the people. Retire from every project where I don't like the project. Retire from every project <laughs> that is not measured weekly. Those are three very good rules. I think we often yeah. need to give ourselves permission to retire from more things. And it's amazing how many people keep doing things that they don't like the people. They don't like the project. They're not getting the information they need. And yet they're kind of beating their head against the wall and still showing up. Yeah, break free, people. Life is short. Rock it. Definitely. And something else that I've been thinking over our conversation today is you mentioned early on um, some of the impacts of COVID and the lockdowns. And everything that I'm hearing in these three uh, best practices, these three things that these three habits that CEOs need to establish really addresses the challenges that we're seeing in terms of how quickly the world is changing. And, you know, whether it's lockdowns and openings and then step backs and um, regulations that change and inflation maybe going up, maybe going down, you know, lumber prices quadrupling and then not. And the world is complicated and a lot of things are changing. And so just implementing some of these principles, it's going to allow CEOs to not fly blind overall, but really to stay much more connected to where the business is going so you are able to make those faster pivots because one impact that that I'm seeing at least to everything that's happening is if if you can't pivot quickly you're really in trouble. Yeah. So two things that I've learned from this funky year. One is build my company more like Lego than like Duplo. So in small blocks, because then you can react to stuff and stuff happens. Heavy mm -hmm. stuff happens. So I want to build more like Lego than like Duplo. That's why small tasks, seven day cycles, because seven day is so small. That's like Lego from a Lego horse. You can build a Lego house. You can build a Lego um, soccer player from mm -hmm. a Duplo horse. You can just build a Duplo horse. That's mm -hmm. not very agile. So if, if people don't have kids, Lego is the small parts that you can recombine <laughs> and Duplo is the big parts. They are just one block. So you cannot recombine them a lot. And Definitely. so more Lego than Duplo. And the second thing that, and I'm, I'm writing a whole book about this concept of build your company like Lego, not like Duplo will be out there in, in February. Nice. Um, but, nice. And the second thing that I learned is we are much more vulnerable, much more at risk than we think. Mm -hmm. And we are much more interdependent than we think. Mm -hmm. So me, three years ago, I was a little bit bold. I was saying, hey, we have such an amazing product. It help it's helping so much. What can happen to us? Mm -hmm. I... I have changed my mind about that when <laughs> when the crash came and, and uh, we lost everything that was on a stage. So in one week, I lost half a million uh, revenue. Wow. And and that had made me very humble. And it it stopped me for a moment to reconsider uh, risk and how to manage risk. And what is really de-risking? 
So one thing that for me is de-risking is having these small report cycles because we will get the weak signals soon enough so that mm -hmm. we can react. That's one thing for me to de-risk. The second thing to de-risk is to build always so that the downside is minimal, but the upside is infinitely scalable. Mm -hmm. Like when we have investments, right? We think, okay, how much can I lose if I go into an ETF uh, or versus in Bitcoin? And then we say, okay, what's the downside risk and what's the up volatility? Down volatility and up volatility. And then we take our decisions. Same thing in business. You don't need to do things the traditional way. You, you can build the business model that really serves you. That's why you have started the business. You don't have to do traditional ways with a lot of costs, a lot of um, uh, legacy pieces that you don't want, that make you slow, that are uh, highly at risk. When you have lower revenue, everything breaks down. So mm -hmm. build a business that can operate on, on lower revenues where you have two months with low sales, everything is still fine, but you have then... 10x sales in one month, and you can also deliver. These mm -hmm. are the good things to build. Absolutely. And, and the third thing to de-risk is your community. Mm -hmm. Whatever product or service you have, I think every business is right now also a community. Because mm -hmm. at the end, it's people who buy from people. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you look at the company Lego, who went almost bust a couple times and they were really literally saved by their fans and their fans are the AFL, adult fans of Lego. It's not even the kids, it's the parents of the kids mm -hmm. who have saved Lego from, from going bust. Because when you have a community, they will go with you through every pivot. They will mm -hmm. understand if they know that you care and that you are available and that you are approachable, they will go with you a long way. If I think of my favorite brands and my favorite products that I use every day, if they have a problem and if they change something, I will go with them. But I will not with a product that I'm not a fan of. Mm -hmm. And that's important. So I have changed everything in order to think, how do they cross-pollinate? So my main product, mm -hmm. because I have one product, but my main product, what can I build around that? So we have now the one-to-one -one coaching. But what can I build around that? What happens after that coaching if somebody wants to be part of the community? And now we have the mastermind. Now around that, you have the mastermind. How can we make the mastermind a community that supports and challenges each other so that we grow also mm -hmm. as a human being, not just as a CEO, but as a human being. And you, when you have such a community, this is really de-risked because whatever happens next year, and I have to pivot completely, but if you have uh, 180 super fans, I will just ask them, okay, people, everything changed. What do we do? What do you really need? Mm-hmm. And they will tell me, and then we go that way. It's it's a really powerful thing. We we've often challenged people to identify um, leaders specifically to identify your nifty fifty. 
These are 50 people who, if you called them, they would pick up the phone. And if you asked them for a reference or a referral or um, to, to meet and have coffee and discuss some ideas, they'd be more than likely to do that. And so many people have a lot of those relationships, but they haven't nurtured them and they're not actually leveraging them. And the whole point of a community, it's not like you're building this community just to help you. You're all helping each other. And it's a really virtuous cycle that can be created, but sometimes you know you need to give it that little push to get it started. Absolutely. And relationship building and that who do I serve? This has become in the pandemic, my, my main goal. So who are we serving? How can I serve today? And that that is the basic of community building. And so how can I help one person per day uh, solve a really relevant problem for them? Because if I do that, I have created the foundations for de-risking uh, my next 10 years. <laughs> All right. I think that's a good place for us to start to wind things down. There's so many more questions I could ask you, but um, I think this is a this is a really good place to wind down. So one question I always like to ask our guests is, what are some resources that you would recommend to our listeners? That could be very specifically related to what we've been discussing today, or if you've got something else that you want to share. I love the... 8020 Sales and Marketing by Perry Marshall. Mm -hmm. He came onto my podcast a couple of weeks ago and we went deep into that. It's still a, a very helpful book that mm -hmm. helps you simplify how you see your business and to find the few relevant things to move forward. I like The Lost Art of Closing by Anthony Yanarino. Mm -hmm. It's about the 10 commitments that you need from the other side. And I like it so much that it has become, because I, I certify business coaches. So if people who want to become a certified strategist prince coach and rock their country with our tools, uh, they have to read five books. And this is one of the books that they have mm. to read, The Lost Art of Closing. And uh, Anthony is also a client of us. We are a huge fan of him. And he is also a client of us. And, and he has improved his own sales workflows and uh, automated his sales and marketing processes uh, with our method. And, uh, and so we are learning from each other a ton. And this is a beautiful thing. And then the third book that I would like to recommend is a completely different one, it's by René Girard, and it's called Things Hidden Since the Foundation of the World. And it is really, this was suggested by Peter Thiel in an interview that I saw. And he said, this is his favorite business book. And so, of mm -hmm. course, when Peter Thiel says that, I read the book. And I went and I read it, and it's really amazing. It's, it's a huge book, so not many people would read it to the end. It's 500 pages. But it's about biomimicry. It's about how the history of our civilization, of our culture, is always doing what other people do. Mm. Like my kids 
in in our kitchen my kids have their own kitchen and when i cook they cook they love mm -hmm. it they do everything that i they they learn via emulation mm -hmm. and that is biomimicry and this is how we are wired and so peter thiel says this book is so important because in business you have to do the exact opposite mm -hmm. when everybody's saying you have to zag mm -hmm. so you have to find your zag if you do what everybody's doing you are the worst investor, the worst <laughs> entrepreneur, the worst CEO, because then you are just running on Clubhouse all the time. And why are you doing it? I don't know, because everybody does. And then comes Twitter, has the same feature and uh, Clubhouse is gone and you have lost one year time. If as an investor, you are doing what everybody's doing, you are then investing in things like Bitcoin or, or Tesla in the moment when they are up. Mm -hmm. which is the worst moment, right? That's exactly the only moment when you not invest in things. When everybody is investing, you sell. And when everybody is selling, you buy. And, and the same principle applies to running a business. So mm -hmm. finding your Zach. And this is why this book is so important, because it shows how our whole history is a history of biomimicry. And for entrepreneurs, it's important to be a little contrarian find mm -hmm. your egg and um do not do not repeat what everybody does otherwise you you are too compared and you will not innovate definitely it's so important to understand those natural impulses that have been you know drilled into us through you know maybe it's our biology maybe it's society maybe it's something else but whatever it is if you've got these trends um, you need to know what they are if you're going to fight against them so that's great thank you so much simon this has been a lot of fun if you want people to learn more about you and your work where should they go we hang out at strategiesprints.com we run a podcast, a daily podcast. We go live every day. It's called the Strategies Prince podcast. And if you want to try the equalizer uh, and, and put in half an hour to, to niche down your, your, your offer, then you can get it at strategiesprince.com slash equalizer. Nice. Always good to have a resource that people can take advantage of. So thank you so, so much for being here today, Simon. Um, I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you, Sales Nation. <laughs> and thank you to all of that Sales Nation. Thank you to our listeners for tuning into today's show. Make sure to tune up back into the podcast next week where there'll be another great guest. And if you haven't yet subscribed, take the time to do that right now. That way you'll get every new episode as soon as it goes live. You can subscribe for free in whatever platform you prefer. If you did enjoy the show today, please recommend it to a friend. That's the best way for more people to discover the show. We love any feedback you have to share. You can leave us ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts or email us with direct feedback, questions, and guest suggestions at podcast at criteriaforsuccess.com. Finally, make sure to follow us on Twitter at CFS Playbook and check out the blog at criteriaforsuccess.com slash insights. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success. Happy selling!